it doesn't matter what area you focus on. If you don't stay well-rounded and you don't go to the Lord every day and say, search me and see if there be any wicked in me. And you don't pick up your cross, deny yourself and follow him every day. It doesn't matter what you bleed. Apostle, prophet, evangelist. And that's the only thing you focus on. There's going to be a huge blind spot in your life. There is only one way. Chris know enough to know, yeah, he bleeds evangelism. I can't leave him alone for two minutes without him talking to somebody. We're in the store in Walmart now. I literally, uh, I literally was like, I, I bet by the time I go pick this one thing up and get back, he's already in a conversation. But, and he actually wasn't. It was kind of shocking. But, but he caught me. But more, more than bleeding evangelism, you bleed Jesus. Right. And because of that, because you want to see unity in the church, because you love Jesus, because you actually believe his words, you understand that this fiery passion that doesn't shut off no matter what's going on in your life was a gift given to you so that you can see the fullness right. of the body of Christ when it's in sync with everything else. With everything well, else. let's just speak to those who are listening who don't bleed evangelism, Yeah, right? Because probably a majority of people who will listen to this don't bleed evangelism. I don't bleed evangelism. Do you, do you bleed? I, is that your primary go-to? It's burning more, but okay. not, not, it's not the first right. for me, day, yeah. buddy. <laughs> for me, it's it's not. like yeah. He just spent a whole day with me. So <laughs> you're going to bleed for the next two yeah. months. <laughs> so I, I, have to, I have to recognize that there's areas in my life, just like all of us, right? Maybe for somebody it's, it's uh, parenting or it's financing or it's uh, another area of their life or it's hearing God or it's understanding the word, right? There's areas where we realize, man, I'm weaker in that area than I want to be. So we have decision to make. We can hear great testimonies of people who do this and we can say, man, so happy for you. So glad the body of Christ has you. And then we're like, that's not me. Or we can be inspired and we can say that I'm not, I don't carry the same gift, but I want to follow in that same direction. So for us, for me, For those who don't bleed evangelism, I have to make that conscious effort effort every single day. No different than being a dad sometimes when I come home and my kids want to play and I'm like, I don't want to be a dad right now. But I suck it up and I'm like, no, I'm stewarding my children. I have to steward those things in my heart. Even though I don't feel like doing it, I walk into a restaurant, a server comes up, I hear the Lord, I have a decision to make. I say yes or I say no to Jesus. No different than when he asked me to give money. I say yes or I say no to give money. So anybody can can actually do what we're talking. You don't have to walk in the office of the evangelist. You don't have to walk in the office of a prophet to prophesy. You don't have to walk in the office of a pastor to disciple or to pastor people. You just have to choose to say, I'm going to steward that gift, even though it's underdeveloped, I'm going to grow it. You know, it's interesting. You use the example of even being a father just in a really practical way. I know exactly what you mean. Sometimes you're exhausted. You have a million things on your mind. But once you actually start doing what's oh, right to do, on, that's when it actually wakes like up. It. So it's the yeah. same thing with evangelism. You're like, I'm, I'm intimidated. I'm intimidated. And then you start doing it. And you're like, 
I was born for this. Mm-hmm. Like it's so natural for people when it's done in the right and healthy way in the context of unity and, and, and driving people, not just to yeah. pray the prayer, but to actually be discipled in Christ. Like it's, it's yeah. addicting. <laughs> there was a, a last night at belong here in Fort Worth. There was a, um, an SLS student. Maybe it come to belong before, but I thought, I think it was her first time. And she was just got off work. You could tell she was tired. She went to school, went to work, had a busy day. And she's standing there at the door. Um, actually, the, the, the lady, Emily, that was water baptized, she was a part of that story. And she's standing there. And I just I looked at her right in the eyes and I said, hey, I just want to say thank you for doing what's important in God's mind for making time because she's heard me for months now talk about discipleship and making disciples. And so here she is standing there in the moment. And I said, I, I promise you, you're going to be energized. She starts crying. She feels the presence of God. Uh, right. That was at probably six 30. Well, here we are, at, you know, nine, nine 15. And she's standing at the, at the hot tub laying hands on mm-hmm. Emily, speaking in tongues, praying over her, with a life, right? And so that, her ability to go, okay, I'm, I'm giving up, like everything we're just talking about, it gave her the very life yeah. that she needed. I wouldn't rather do anything else than do this. And if, if we just say as parents, we aren't good parents the moment our children are born. No. I, I mean, I speak for everybody. I was. Um, <laughs> were you the best? I just you were to really clarify. I was off. <laughs> <laughs> right. I mean, I was. I was. First of all, I didn't even know how to change a diaper. Like, I'm like, Tash, can you just teach me? Teach me how to be a parent. I didn't know how to do anything. I remember calling my dad many times. And be like, what do I do? Like, how do I've I? Call, how I, how do I not dad. suck? I actually called your dad one time <laughs> when I thought that my daughter was demonized. Oh, I've had some of those then conversations. I realized that I just needed to learn how to discipline. But yeah, yeah. I've called him many times. Right. So, I mean, we're we're not good when we start. I mean, as husbands, the moment we get married, we probably suck at being <laughs> husbands. So bad. I was so bad. I'm still I'm still growing. And we I have to we have to <laughs> we have to study. Like, how do we become better parents? How do we become better husbands and spouses? And we it's the same with evangelism. It's the same with any gift. Yeah. It's, whether it's the prophetic, I I want to hear God clearer. I want to recognize his voice versus any other voice. Yes. I want to respond right away. I want to be like like Abraham. The moment he tells me to go, I go. And I don't need to be reminded on a three-day journey up to the mountain, right? I want to grow in the evangelism in the same way. Like sometimes I feel like we expect God's going to like hit us with the wand and be like, you told one person about Jesus. Now you're awesome at it. No, it takes, takes time to develop it. How do you preach the gospel? How do you preach the gospel to somebody who's never heard about Jesus before? Right. How do you preach the gospel to a Muslim? How do you preach the gospel to a Mormon? How do you preach the gospel to a a Catholic? How do you preach the gospel to somebody in a foreign country? Like stewarding that skill and that gift, it takes time. And I think some we're, we're such that microwave mentality. We're like, I didn't get it the first time. Or it must not be for me. It's not my gift. Yeah. It's like, well, today it isn't, but you need to steward that gift. And you would be surprised how many people come through 33rd. If, if we graded them when they first started, failures, right? Mm-hmm. Myself, you hear me when I'm 
would try to preach the gospel a decade ago or 15 years ago to someone in the street, you'd be like, I don't even know if you know who Jesus is. <laughs> right? It takes time to develop. Even Chris, you'd probably yeah. say 15, 20 years ago when you first started, right? Compared to today, you have to steward that gift. You I'd can't see, be impatient. I'd see three people saved a year, and now I see three people saved in an afternoon. Right. Took time. Yeah. Got to be patient. And you've got to give yourself to it, whatever it is. Um, and there's a scripture I was looking when Aaron was talking in First uh, John 5, verse 21. It says, Dear children, keep away from anything that might take God's place in your hearts. Mm. And so there's another scripture where it says, uh, you know, run the race right. in such a way to attain the prize. So what I like to say all the time is, is people are really, bu- everybody's running. Like if I'm in a church setting, I'm like, Anybody in here too busy? Everybody raises their hand, including me. I've just determined in my heart, I'm going to be busy doing what God has asked me to do. And I've actually found that God still opens, uh, like I have a mountain bike. I'll go mountain biking. I still have time to do that. I have time to play Smash Bros with with Noah this morning. (laughs) Um, We're not like these robotic, like only preach the gospel we're longboarding last night. We're having fun, right? So wanting to remove that barrier to think, oh man, if I do this, am I? is the rest of my life over? No, it's right. like you said, the, the moment you step into it, it's like, oh wow, this is life. He who loses his life for my sake will find it. Yeah. So there's great joy. We believe in Sabbath yeah. and take it. Tomorrow is, is uh, I don't even know what, tomorrow's Saturday. Tomorrow's Saturday. We're going to work tomorrow, but Sunday going to Sabbath, spend a whole day, shut my phone off, you know, be with my family. So we have healthy, but the thing is, and I think I mentioned this to you yesterday, because we've created space and time for, for new believers and discipleship, the whole day I'm thinking, I need to reach out to this person. I need to reach out to that. I need to do this over here. But I knew that at one o'clock I was going to sit down and I was going to reach out to all of those people. Mm-hmm. So if we create space for what's important to God, right? Then all of a sudden, everything else will fit in. And that's what we're trying to get the church to see. Create space to make disciples. Create space to uh, fulfill the Great Commission. Create, And it's not going to take over your entire life, but there's going to be an aspect of your life. And there's probably... Like there's business people or nurses or teachers, right? And they're never going to work at the church. I can remember growing up, we we grew up in a environment where it was like the best job in the world was on stage holding a microphone. And I, I remember yeah. I wanted to go into business. And I there would be times where I'd feel guilty, like, oh, man, maybe I should go to Bible college. But I knew I wasn't supposed to. And that perspective has unfortunately been inundated in the church for so right. many years where it's like, oh man, if you're not on staff in the church, your calling is inferior. Yeah. And I would say this, everything in the church is in the kingdom of God, mm-hmm. but not everything in the kingdom of God is in the church. Yeah. And you're, you're called to be a teacher. That is your mission field. That's right. Yeah. You don't need to be on staff. You're called to a construction worker. That's your mission field. I, I mean, I'm just thinking of Brian, somebody who does all of our graphics for 33rd. I mean, he worked at a construction site and would see all lots of his coworkers get saved. That's nine, nine to 11 of his coworkers. Right. And 
didn't work at a church, never got paid by a church, never was on staff, never preached on a Sunday morning, never did anything like that. And so we have this mentality, unfortunately, in the body of Christ, especially for me, some a business owner, somebody in business, I can begin to like switch that off. And I'm like, I'm businessman Aaron, right? I'm here to make money and to give money away. And that's the calling of God in my life. And all I'm supposed to do, I need to sow, I need to be generous. And that stuff, I just, I don't have time for that. That's not my gifting. That's all I'll give to other people who are going to do that. And we remove that. We remove even the need from it. And then we don't need to grow and then it dies. And then we get convicted and we'll do it once. And we'll just go through this habitual cycle over and over and over. I, I have to steward that calling of God in my life. The great commission wasn't just for the evangelist to go out and make disciples. Right. So my workplace, the people that come into my office, my clients, people I'm on the phone with, they're my mission field that day. Now, the next day, my mission field may change into another environment, maybe at a coffee shop. It may be at my kid's soccer game. But that day in that office, in that meeting, that's my mission field. So we have to remove that stigma that these are things for people to do if they're on staff. No, these are for people to do if you're a believer. The moment you become a Christian, you enter full-time ministry. Full-time ministry doesn't just get a paycheck from a local church. A full-time minister is somebody who has surrendered their life to Jesus. Now you've joined ministry. That's right. Part-time, full-time, it's irrelevant. You're a believer. you follower of Jesus. You are called by God to raise disciples, to heal yeah. the sick, to raise the dead, yeah. to cast out demons. You just may do it at a hospital, or you may do it in a schoolroom, or you may do it as a stay-at-home mom with the other moms you see at the playground. That's right. Whoever your mission field is. Well, you guys are modeling that. You guys are modeling that primarily. I mean, you're not, you're not even waiting for a church to say, Hey, we'll bring you on staff. Then we'll get to work in evangelism. You're just getting to work. So many of the interns are coming, they're getting jobs so that they can self-sustain and continue in full-time ministry, literally everywhere they go. One of our guys, Micah, just an incredible guy, um, lives about an hour from here where, where we're located at. Um, he manages a restaurant for his dad and, um, he's been, we have different chats where we just post constant testimonies of people being saved. And, um, there was a, I think six to eight of his employees have been saved. It's awesome. He brings them into his office to talk to them and he, he'll just minister to them, love on them. And he's like, okay, Chris, I don't know. If I, if I get, if I can serve it belong long-term, but I'm trying to figure out how I can make bring belong to my workplace. Awesome. Come on. And I'm like, that's it. Like, that's the goal. Yeah. And, uh, that to me is success. Yeah. You said, I think you said something really significant, like when it comes to. He's been waiting for that moment this entire time. Congratulations. I'll try to point it out every time. (laughs) Actually, let's just take a moment and pray for insecurity. (laughs) Everything I said before that was terrible, but there was that one thing you said. No, but you were talking about how, like, you may not be strong at it, but you better start doing it. And, you know, really, a a funny example would be if, if you want to be a bodybuilder. You don't wait till you're big and then start lifting, right? right. You, you don't, you don't wait until right. it's there and then go now, now I can lift weights. You actually right. have to start putting strain Did on yourself in you order to, to stim. No, she didn't. She did. <laughs> she did. But I'll tell her I used it. Right. Right. Okay. Well, do you think she's going to actually listen to this? 
probably not, <laughs> since she hasn't even read my book. <laughs> Sorry, okay. no, it's you. okay. But I mean, the the point really is you you have to first strain yourself in order to stimulate growth. Yes, that's right. That's true physically, and it's it's very true spiritually. And if we don't actually exercise even the little we've been given, how in the world do we expect? To grow. Yeah. yeah, there are some significant gifts we're given. Like there's people that can, I can't sing. There's people that can just sing. Right. They just, they're kids and they just start singing. You're like, how in the world do you have a voice like that? It's yeah. not trained. It's a gift. But for most people, this is a gift they have to grow into. Right. And that office, the office of the evangelist, the primary job is to make sure that the body of Christ is exercising that gift to maturity. Yeah. And what to and father what we, them. We tell people often is, People will say, well, this isn't my gift. And so we say, well, like you're like, I'm not gifted that way. Chris is gifted that way. Got like Todd White, Robbie Dawkins, these guys, they're gifted that way. So we always say, well, actually you've been gifted the greatest gift of all the Holy Spirit. So I'm not a great evangelist. The Holy Spirit in me is a great evangelist. So we're trying to get the body of Christ to see that you've been gifted that great gift. And if if Chelsea were here or Aaron or Jonathan, those that knew me from the beginning, I was probably pushing people away more than I was drawing people in. One of my close friends in Sweden, uh, he jumped in the van one time. We shut the door and I basically turned to him and said, you need to repent or you're going to go to hell. <laughs> probably not the best way to present the gospel, but learned and and have grown over the years. So, so yeah, it, we need to understand that he is the greatest gift, the Holy right. Spirit. We lean into that. We have all that we need. It's beautiful. Well, just to go along with what you were saying about stewarding gifts, everything the Lord gives you out of the kindness of God generally starts small because you're not ready to handle it. You don't, you don't give your kid a Ford truck when he turns three. You give him a little tinker toy, right? Every, you start small because he does a maturity to handle it. Same with us. The Lord and his graciousness doesn't give us the fulfillment of his plans for us when we're immature. He right. develops us and matures us. Every gift that the Lord has given you starts small. Sometimes I think we look at the, the size of it. We do one of two things. We look at the size and we say, it's not going to amount to anything, so we discard That's it. That's right. Or we look at the size of it and you know we've taken two years or three years to develop and we're like, hey, it hasn't become what I thought it was and we quit on it. It's, it doesn't matter if it's the gift of generosity, the gift of hospitality, the gift of evangelism. All of us grow. There's some amazing people who are hospitable and know how to create an environment, right? That even at Belong, that bring food and set up and create a wonderful place for people to have community. They didn't just all of a sudden get to do that. They had trial and error. They right. learned and developed somebody in generosity. They didn't just give away a million dollars at first they probably had to give away 50 bucks 20 years ago. And all of a sudden it was a hundred and then it was a thousand, right? So in every gift that you have, it's developed over time. Those, those who start off with evangelism and no one gets saved for the first six months, well, you could choose to quit or you can say, no, I'm stewarding that gift because I know I'm called to act in that. Come on. Can't and that's, that's Robbie, right? You heard the Robbie chance yesterday in the van, Robbie, the first, I don't know, a few weeks he was getting, not frustrated, but, and I'm not seeing fruit. Right. I'm not noting. And then all of a sudden I'm like looking at Robbie, like, man, you're going to take my job. 
Like he walked up to a guy yesterday that he felt led to go talk to. And the guy's like, I prayed today wow. and asked God to, to help me be Come born on. again. And he's like, well, here I am. <laughs> <laughs> so we're like, Robbie. But he leaned into it. Yeah. He pressed into it. And he stretched a, himself. Yeah. And actually your brother, Jonathan, spoke a message one time that talked about stewarding the small things mm. and then how God will trust you with more. And this is stuck with me. He said, because nothing is too small. So if it's, if it's one individual person, if it's one encounter, every, everything I do is significant. And then God's like, okay, if you're going to steward Samuel, I'll give you Caden. If you're going to steward Caden, I'll give you Tyler. If you're going to steward Tyler, I'm going to give you Blake. If you steward Blake, these are all new believers, right? Right. I'll give you Nicole. I'll give you Emily. I'll give you, and then all of a sudden you're sitting in a room, you know, a couple months ago, you had one person there, Martin. And then you look around and you have 20 new believers. It's because you stewarded the one. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not, we had this experience at the Promise Church. Uh, we, you kind of, as you're building a church, you kind of hit like a hundred person. Then it's like 200 and you're like trying to break the 200 barrier. Um, and it's like, we were coming up against this barrier. It's like either 200 or 250. And then one day, all of a sudden we didn't change anything. All these people start coming to the church. Right. And we're like, what was it? They're like, well, I just felt God drew me here. And we realized God is the one that sends the people. He's the Lord of the harvest. I'm, I'm, I'm not. Right. And when God can trust us with his people, yeah, he then begins to send them. So we got to a place at the, <laughs> after we got through our growing pains as pastors, um, as we were doing as a team, all of a sudden God could entrust people to us. So now I just walk around the city. I bump in. There's somebody coming to church this Sunday. It was this easy. I went out to a salad place with uh, one of the leaders of the church that I serve, Mercy Culture. And um, I got to the end of the line. Hey, how you doing? They're like, doing great. Awesome. They're like, I'm new in town. Don't have any friends. They asked me for my number. I'm like, sure. You're doing my job for me. I wrote them yesterday. They're like, can't wait to be at church and hopefully we can get lunch next week. (laughs) Because God sees, right? He wants people to be saved more than we want people to be saved. He wants people to be discipled more than we want people to be discipled. And when we see that and we get into alignment with that, it just begins to happen. That's awesome. I think one of the common themes that we keep talking about is stewardship. And I think... we, we need to make sure we give it its due because especially for somebody in ministry, it doesn't matter what area that fivefold gift you're in. doesn't matter evangelist or any other God, God is asking you to steward what is little so he can give you more as well as what is outside your lane so that he can entrust you with more. Sometimes it's what happens outside. That's our greatest training ground yeah. for us to steward what's inside of our ministry lane. We see this in the parable where Jesus gives sums of money to three individuals, right? And one person takes him from five to 10, two to five, and one hides it, right? And he goes to the one who he gave five to, who turns it in 10. And he says, because you were faithful in the unrighteous mammon, because you are faithful in, in money and natural things, I'm going to entrust to you cities, Yeah. right? So the yeah. reward for faithfulness in the natural was to share in the king's authority in the supernatural. So we, we were talking about evangelists earlier who 
lead people to the Lord, but don't steward their families well. It's like running the race in your lane does not negate stewardship of the natural. In fact, I would say it's the natural That's the right. stewardship, the natural that prepares you and thrusts you into greater things in in your ministry. So for an evangelist or for somebody in ministry, whatever it may be, like it's your car that you need to steward. It's your it's your friendships, your it's job. your marriage, right? It's your, you show up late every day to your job, right? It's how you talk about your leaders. People want to be leaders and they're gossiping about their leaders, tearing their leaders down. So sometimes it's over here, this area that we just ignore. Cause I just want to be an event. I just want to lead people to the Lord. Yeah, but your car is a mess. Why would God entrust you a soul if you can't steward your car? So that stewardship mentality, it's not its not only stewarding one disciple leads to the next disciple. Right. It's every it's area of your life that's what God is using to propel you in your area of influence. Because Jesus called people that were at work. <laughs> he did. Didn't he? Yes, he, he did. He went and he called people that were working. The busy guys. <laughs> because what, what happens in, in, in the church or in business? You give the stuff that you want done to the person who's already doing everything. Right. Poor Sarah Taylor in a season. She was just so good at getting stuff done. We'd just be like, she could do it. Or (laughs) or people want to do something. They want it. They're waiting for their call for ministry. And so they're laying on their couch waiting for the call. Doesn't call you off. That's the, the bodybuilder waiting to get big. Right? <laughs> Which I love going to the today. gym. It's not going to happen that way. <laughs> I'm getting big in all the wrong places. That's right. <laughs> my biceps. Right? <laughs> well, if we if we were to wrap up, kind of the just the idea of the office of the evangelist, its importance in the church. Like, yeah. what, if 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 you were talking to some an individual or especially a church leader, um, how would you encourage them? I know Thirty Third has a lot of opportunities. You guys are heavily focused all everybody involved in 33rd is heavily focused on equipping the church but what are just some final thoughts you would have for like especially individuals and and church leaders on on the office i would i would say for like if a pastor or leader of a church is listening to this begin to pick up some books on evangelism begin to listen to some youtube videos on evangelism trusted people that have fruit just begin to listen maybe travel to um, our friend tom rotolo does a city quake um, power and love different there's different events that you can go to begin to get around it begin to get your feet wet right. um we we have people come out we we can't go everywhere but we have people that come to us and they spend one or two days with us and they go back and they've started in their city we've got a belong popping up in detroit we've got a belong at Real Church and with Jerry, he came to visit us. We got belong in Canada, these people that have come and seen it, and then they take it. So I would say if you need to travel, travel, get around the right people, the healthy people, and ask yourself, though, where's the fruit, right? Don't just, it's not the, it's not the big name person or, or if I can get this person here. It's no, where are the people that are actually making disciples? Yeah. Find those. And then really begin uh, to lean into that. And then the Holy Spirit will lead you from there. Yeah. I mean, I'll just add, I I work with somebody, partner with somebody who is strong in an area that I'm not. That requires me to humble myself, yeah. to, to celebrate his strength and recognize that I need to grow in an area that he's already great in. It's not easy. When you take a, 
a pastor who's skilled at his craft of leading people, preaching, pastoring. It's hard. It's really hard. I've, I've had to walk through it for years where I've had to recognize I'm not strong in that area. It doesn't mean I'm a bad person or a bad leader. It's an opportunity for me to grow. And I need to bring people alongside of me that are strong in areas that I'm not and trust them, actually trust them in areas that maybe I feel uncomfortable in. Yeah. And to that pastor, final thought that's listening, get up on a Sunday morning and say, Hey, if you have a heart for evangelism in this church, uh, I'm going to, we're going to have dinner at my house or we're going to, we're going to, and see those five or 10 people that show up. And if they're a bit quirky, if they're a bit different, think, okay, this, these people are the people that God gave me that have this heart. I'm going to pour into them and begin to father them. That might be a once a month meeting. That might be a, how can we give a budget? One thing your brother does, it's so beautiful. He, he actually spoke at one of our Make Disciples events. He said, when an evangelist asks me to do something, I just say yes. <laughs> yeah, I've got an idea. He's like, yes. Even though he's thinking, how is a tent set up in Longview, Washington in the middle of the winter going to really be? And then he tells a story about he's freezing cold. He's like, mm-hmm. you know, he's out doing it, but he's so happy that he said yes, because people were saved and impacted. So finding a way to, to identify those people, you can send those people to be a 33rd intern. You could send them to a ministry school to equip them, invest into them, to come back and then to impact the community. Yeah. Pour into those people. That's great. That's great. It requires humility. Yes, it does. All right. Well, thanks, guys. Thanks.